This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Hey man, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Amos, please. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, if that'll help you find it. That'll be about three-fourths of the way into your Old Testament, if that'll help you find it quicker. Um, We're talking about authority, amen, and we're talking about words. Everybody say, I have a superpower. It's the superpower of words. Now, I want us to think about for a minute what God did back in the... in Genesis, uh, we've been back there quite a bit. We won't go there tonight, but we probably will go there again. But in the book of Genesis, in chapter one, God did something that was so important because when God fashioned and we'll we'll use the word restarted this this planet in the time frame that we live in, in the, in the age that we live in, um, He did something really important. He did it. Not with, his, not with his power, not by, you know, taking his arm and thrusting it. But the Bible says he did it by words. And, you know, he said, let there be light and there was light. And then we went through the whole chapter. You'll remember this in Genesis chapter 1 where about 11 times it says that God said and it was so or God said and, it, and, and you saw it. Now, I want, I, want, I want you to focus for a minute because this is important. God did all of that. God established the principle of the power of words, he established it before Adam and Eve were even brought on this planet. He already, he had already put everything on this planet into a position that it would respond to words. All right, so it's really important that he did this. And because God knows everything, somebody asked me, do you, do you believe that God knew that Adam and Eve would fall? Absolutely. Because the Bible says, behold, the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. God already had a backup plan when Adam and Eve fell. He knew what they would do, but because he created them the way he created you and me with free will, he still had a plan to to change everything. But before, before Adam and Eve fell, he already put everything on this planet under the supervision of words. Now that's important because when Adam and Eve came along in the latter part of chapter one, verses 26 through 28, which we're not going to read, but when they came along, God said, let them have dominion over everything, over the entire planet. Now the dominion he gave them there was more of a regal dominion. In other words, they did have dominion over this planet But it was also the dominion of words because of the authority of words 
they were over this planet. Now I'm going to, I want to make it because I'm going to, I want to show you something here. This is really important. So what happened in chapter three when Satan came along and deceived them and really, you know, uh, it caused them to be disobedient and do what the one thing God told them not to do, just the one thing, but, but it was big enough that it caused them to lose their regal authority. They were no longer in charge of this planet. They gave that authority, that regal authority, got that dominion got put over into darkness and now Satan had his hand on it. But they did not lose the authority of words because everything had already been put in motion and been created by words. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now that's really important because now what God had to do until Jesus would be born and the word became flesh and dwelt among men, which was going to be 4,000 years later, God had to begin to teach the people on this planet, even though they were out of authority in the sense of they didn't have the regal authority over this planet anymore. God had to point out to them, you still have authority, but it's through your words. And I'm going to have to retrain you and I'm going to have to show you. And he started it. I mean, we can see it all the way through, but it's not too far into the book of Genesis. We see Abram come along and God does something incredible. God says, look, I'm going to have to change your name because words mean something. And I'm going to show you how powerful words are. So here in Amos chapter 5, we've read this verse before, but I want you to look at verse 14. It says, seek good and not evil that you may live. Now that's, that's a pretty good little piece of advice right there. Amen. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And no, I do not believe the song of Billy Joel's that only the good die young. I don't believe that. I believe the good who serve God can live long on the earth. So I don't go by the song. Amen. I go by the word. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts. Now look at this next part of this verse. It's huge. Shall be with you. How? As he, as he wants to. Or even as you want to. Not necessarily. The God of the hosts of heaven will be with you as you have spoken. Do you see this here? So God says, I'm ready. I have all of heaven set up to help you, to get you out of your generational curse, to get you out of your own mistakes that you've made, to help you recover from everything that you've ever foiled in your life, F-O-I-L-E-D, foiled in your life. I, I, I'm ready to help you get out of it, but you're going to have to get your words right because it is going to be with you as you have spoken. Now, it's not going to be with me as you have spoken of me because I, I can reject those words. I'll just put a curse on them. I was somewhere the other day. I can't remember where it was. I was in a store and they, honest to God, have voodoo doll kits. Now, I think it was supposed to be sort of like a joke. And yet I looked at it and I thought, do what? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I just want to say, you can stick pins in a, you know, in a good-looking doll all you want to. That's what my wife says. You know, I go, I, I, I go with her. I agree with my wife. All you want to, and curse me all you want to, but it's going to be with me as I have spoken. It's not going to be because of you. 
Can you shout amen? amen. So, we, now I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Do what is good, it says, and run from evil. I like the fact that it says run from evil. So that you may live. Then the Lord God of heaven's armies, this is in the New Living Translation, will be your helper, helper just as you have claimed. Now, you know, all of us who've been in the word of faith and we talk about confession and get your words right, they've, they've accused us for years of being that name it and claim it bunch. Boy, those are those name it and claim it people. They just think you can just name it and claim it. Yes, amen, praise God. Guilty. If it's in the word, if God says it's mine, yes, I have a right to name that and claim that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to try to speed us ahead tonight. <clears throat> now, Paul is talking to the church here at Corinth. Uh, he's talking about how the devil has blinded the minds of people who don't. We have to understand the reason that, you know, the reason that people around us that, that don't serve God, the reason they don't serve him is their minds have been blinded by the enemy. So that keeps them from seeing. But that's why we preach. That's why he says in verse uh, four, they've been blinded, number five, but we preach them. We preach to help them to have their eyes open. My job as your pastor, the way I understand this Bible, is to, every time you come in here to try to get your eyes open a little bit wider and your ears open a little bit more so you can see and hear what God has for you. That's my job. That's, I take that seriously. I pray about that. I don't care what, how you rate my my delivery, I don't care where I rank in the preachers of the city or, or anywhere else, but I do care about getting your eyes open and getting your ears open. That's what I care about. But then we go down here and, you know, Paul goes through this long list of things about, you know, we're troubled on every side and so on and so forth, persecuted and all of this stuff. But then he gets down to verse 13. He said, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written... I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. So whatever, so it's critical. Then what we believe is going to be critical because what we believe is going to come out of our mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we believe is important. And we've already found out, we just read it in Amos that whatever we, it's going to be for us as we have spoken. So Coming to church or listening to the word online if you can't make it to church is critical because it helps you to, to uh, solidify your faith. Now, listen, you could believe something yesterday and get into doubt over it today. Yesterday, you could believe that healing is all for you, man. But today, if you get a sniffle or two, the devil will get you into doubt. Oh, God, you got it. Oh, God, it's coming. Oh, Lord, you better give up. Now, I want to say this because uh, I like to, you know, I like to, it's like a good parent every now and then, you know, you, don't, you hate to just correct all the time. Sometimes you want to praise, you know, praise is a big deal. If you have children, you can't just correct them and beat them all the time. Amen. I mean, every now and then, you know, but, but, uh, but you've got to praise them too. And uh, I want to say this for Ron sitting right over here. You know, Ron had COVID a few weeks back 
And it hit him pretty hard. For, and he went in the hospital. And it, I mean, it hit kind of hard and swift, and it was kind of rough. But I watched him, what he was posting every day. He was still in the hospital. He was posting on Facebook. And he went down there going, oh, God, everybody, I'm dying over here. I'm dying here, you know, like, you know, like uh, whatever that was in that movie, as good as it gets, I'm dying here, you know. Uh, but he wasn't saying that. He was quoting the scripture. He was talking about how God's hands on him. And I thought about, wow, I'm so glad that, that he's standing in faith. See, the Bible calls it the good fight of faith. Now, a good fight is one you win. My job is to get you to where your faith level goes up. So when the, when the time comes and the testing comes, you don't waver. Now, go over to Romans. Having said that, go to Romans. It's, one, it's a couple of books right behind this one. Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians run together. Go back over to Romans for a minute. I'm going to read this verse. Now, I know I'm reading familiar passages to you today or tonight, but I want to set you up for where I want to finally try to get you tonight in this part of what we're doing. This is, as far as I can count, and I think I lost count a while back, I think this is message number 32 in this series. Amen. I told a couple of my preacher friends, I said, yeah, I'm in this little series we're doing. How many, they asked me, how many messages have you gone? I said, well, we're up to, and this is about two weeks ago, I said, we're up to 30. They said, my God, your people are still listening after 30 messages? I said, oh, yeah, man. I said, they're hungry folks, man. I said, I'm having a blast preaching it. I really am. I'm enjoying it myself because I love to just look at the word. Amen. So here in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, uh, so for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. I want you to notice this. Now, he's talking about Abraham here in the steps of faith of Abraham in verse 12. But I want you to notice what it says. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed. And the implication here is it wasn't just to Abraham and his seed only. God didn't do what he did for Abraham just for Abraham and his descendants. He did it to set a precedent so that everybody else could look at that and see if God can do that, God will, then God's obligated. He'll do it for me. Look what he says in verse 13. For the promises that he should be there in the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For they, if they which are the law by errors, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. In other words, and then again, is it just for the people that are under the law? Of course not. But when you go all the way down to verse 16, it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, the Jewish people. So the promise was not just for them, not just for them, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. So we can walk in the same faith that Abraham walked in, where God said, So shall your seed be. And when he said that, it was, and here's what's really, I want you to catch this. He said, so shall your seed be to Abraham, but he didn't have a seed. Now, now listen to me. He didn't even have ground to plant the seed. I'm not even talking about Isaac yet. I'm talking about, he, I mean, his wife was totally barren. He was, you know, 90, he was a hundred, she was at 90. And so, I mean, he was impotent by this time. He didn't even have seed, but God said, I'm saying, I'm telling you, so shall your seed be. 
And what that's saying to you is, you may think there's no way any of this stuff can work out for me because I don't have a pedigree, I don't have a name, I don't have an education, I don't even... Don't worry about that. God knows how, we, we sang the song tonight, God knows how to cause dead things to come alive. He's the master of it. Now look at verse 17. As it is written, God says this. Now this is all the way back in Genesis. I have made thee a father. This is in, of course, verse 4, verse 17. I have made thee a father of many nations. He said that in Genesis. Before him, or God, whom he believed, whom Abraham believed, even God, who quickens the dead. Quickens the dead. The world could say something is DOA, it's dead on arrival, but I'm telling you, God is the master of bringing life out of death. Who quickens the dead, and of course we know what it says here, and calleth those things that be not as though they were. And then he gives the illustration of Abraham. He hoped against hope. I mean, and meaning, you know, he didn't even have any hope, but he hoped, and, and one translation says he hoped until he got some hope. And then when you have hope, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm laying the foundation here to get us back to what we preached the last couple of weeks is when you get into a storm, it is critical that you say the right thing. That you don't give in, that you don't speak your feelings. Now listen, we all have families and we all love them, but I don't love them enough to agree with their negativity. Now, sometimes we gotta, we got to be like Kenny Rogers. we got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. Get out of that room, man. I'm not going to, I mean, not everybody's going to see what you see. Not everybody's going to know what you know. And not everybody's going to believe what you believe. But my goodness, if you do, you're going to have to put your stake of faith in the ground and say, as for me and my house, this is where we're at. Can you shout Amen. Now, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't think I need to go there, but I want, to, I want to go back over a couple of things I said last week to get us back to, I want to finally read out of the book of Acts tonight, what my, my hope is. In the Old Testament, we read in Psalms 107, verses 21 through 32, and we saw a lot of it also in the book of Job, how in the Old Testament, the people there who did not have much revelation at all, they didn't have the whole Bible like we do. They, they didn't have the gifts of the Spirit. Now, they would have prophets that God might use to perform a miracle, but they didn't have the gifts of the Spirit as the body. Jesus had not come and, and, been, and died and, you know, and all of that and, and, and been raised from the dead. And the Holy Spirit had not been released to everyone on the planet. So there were a lot of factors working against them in the Old Testament. And for that reason, whenever anything happened, good or bad, they ascribed it to God. If, if somebody got well, it was God. If somebody got sick, God struck them down. And we see some of that being written in the Old Testament, you know, and Job even making the statement like this, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that is, we, we, that's in chapter 3. It's only two chapters removed from the first chapter where it clearly tells you it was Satan. But because of their lack of knowledge, and by, by the way, remember Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed. My people, God said, are destroyed 
for lack of knowledge. And don't think the devil will play fair with you. He does not play fair. He will get you on every little thing he can get you on. So he knows. And so, so we see in the Old Testament that they believe that God brought the storm. And the only one really that could get rid of the storm was God. And, it, it was, and, and he had to want to. You could cry out to him. But there was, there was this, this thing in the Old Testament where that most of this they didn't understand. They felt like, what will be, will be. Now, you hear this a lot in our society. You've heard it growing up. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you can't, nobody can say they're going to live a long time. Well, watch this. I'm going to live a long time. Well, what if you don't? It won't be because I said I won't. We were talking to somebody the other day, and listen, we're, don't judge, and by the way, don't judge anybody that got COVID, that they're some kind of a less Christian or less believer or anything. Don't do it. That's silly and dumb and stupid, and, and you better watch it because the thing you judge somebody with will come back on you. Now, here's what you should say. If you have not gotten COVID, you should keep saying, I'm not going to get it in Jesus' name. No sickness shall befall me. No, no, no disease coming out of my dwelling. What else should you say? Well, I, I guess I'm going to get it. Well, I'm not going to say that. Amen. So, you know, that's like we were talking about the other day. You know, you t if you tell your family, they say, well, you know, nobody has anything. You say, well, I'm very rich. And they're like, well, I wouldn't say that. I said, I know. That's why you're poor. You keep telling everybody every day you don't have anything. And every time you get something, every time you get something, something takes it away. Every time you buy something, it breaks. You know, everybody that's going to get, you know, a raise on the job, you get skipped over every time. You say it out of your mouth all the time. Amen. But you got to say it will be for you as, as you have spoken. But in the Old Testament, so the storm would come and they would assume it was God. And therefore, they would cry out to God. And God, you know, because God was, you know, he's merciful. A lot of times God would deliver his people. But then we saw a major shift. When we get over to the New Testament and when Jesus showed up on this planet, we saw something that's in the scriptures that I don't think that the, the, the New Testament uh, people, which is all of us, we've all been born in New Testament times. I don't think any of you are over 2,000 years old. I'm looking around, but I don't see anybody in here that looks over 2,000. And uh, so we've all been born in the generation of Jesus Christ since his birth and arrival and departure from this planet. So there was a shift that took place. Jesus reinstated the authority, the regal authority. Uh -huh. But he also told us still, even with that regal authority, you're still going to have to operate through words. And for some reason, we haven't, the church as a whole has not made that connection yet. They still go by their feelings. They still go by what other people say. They still go by the trends in society. Oh my God, what are we going to do now? You know, I heard this four years ago. What are we going to do now? The whole world's going to blow up. Trump's president. Now Biden's president. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Hey, Jesus was Lord in 2016. Jesus is Lord in 2020. He's going to be Lord forever. This Bible will operate. I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a real shocking thing to you now. This Bible will work for you when there's a Republican in charge. This Bible will work for you when there's a Democrat in charge. Because really, 
They're not in charge. You are. You got the book. It'll be for you as you have spoken. Now, everybody, you say, yeah, but they're making policies and they're doing this, that, and other. Oh, my God, it's all coming apart at the seams. Well, I would just say this way, but it won't touch my house. Amen. They're going to shut down all of the different businesses. Now everything, the, the economy is going to go down and we're all going to starve to death. I'm like, well, not in my house. If there's only one house on the block that's going to have the electricity on, it'll be mine. There's only one house on the block that's going to have food. It'll be mine. Amen. What else do you think I'm going to say? But the old saying is, misery loves company. And you get around a bunch of people and they get negative. It's real simple to just blend right in. I know what you're talking about. Bless God, I tell you what. And that's like I say, you know, you get around somebody and they go, I tell you what, I had a surgery on my hip, and I tell you what, it's never been the same. Here's what usually people go, I know what you're talking about. Boy, my back, I tell you what, I tweaked it a few years ago. I tell you what, this thing's hurt me for 20 years. I'm probably going to have to have five surgeries. Well, I tell you something. I, one day, I, before you know it, man, everybody's trying to outplay the other one with their misery. Now, when those conversations get going and I'm in the midst, I do one of two things. I either speak up and declare who I am in Christ Jesus or I leave the room. But the last thing I'm going to do is get involved in the conversation and agree. That is not what I'm going to do. So, then we get over to the New Testament and we see God doing something different. So we read in Matthew chapter 8 the story of the, of course, uh, out on the water and how, you know, the violent storm came. And, and Jesus, is, Jesus has already said it. Let us go to the other side. That's all he had to say. He didn't say, let us go to the bottom of the water and drown. He said, let us go to the other side. Did he know a storm was coming? I absolutely believe he did. But he also knew his words we're stronger than the storm. Somebody said, well, what would have happened if that, if that woke him up? And they, they weren't going to do anything. The ship would have blown apart and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, and I'll tell you what. They would have all drowned, but Jesus would have floated to the other side. Because he'd already spoken what he was going to do. He's going to the other side. So we know he, they awaken him and they're in panic mode. And we know what happens and, and how he goes out and he does what to the storm? Speaks to it. And remember what he does. He does not say what he sees. He does not walk out and go, oh my God, I didn't know it was this bad. Why didn't y'all tell me? My God, we are all going to drown. He didn't say what he saw. And listen, in the natural, that's what he would have said because the Bible said the water was all in the ship now. But he, he resisted speaking what he saw and instead he spoke what he wanted. He said, peace be still. And it didn't happen till after he said it. So when you're in a storm, man, if you're in a storm, somebody better have some faith in that thing. Somebody better know what to say. Somebody better know, you know, the right thing to talk about. Can you shout Amen. So we saw that in Luke. We saw it in Luke chapter 8, uh, Matthew chapter 8, and Mark chapter 4. The same story. It all has a little bit of a different thing. But then he turns around to them and he says, why are you so fearful? Now, 
Now, it sounds like it's a dumb question because the storm is raging. It's violent. We read one of these accounts in the Amplified Classic. said it was like a hurricane. It was a sudden burst down. But he asked him, why are you so fearful? He's basically saying, uh, you have a superpower. And why are you operating in human power instead of your superpower? Are you catching this? I'm going to go back up on that again because if you let that soak in a minute, it'll, it'll hit you a little bit better. He said, why are you operating in human power instead of your superpower? Now, a lot of us, most of us don't use our superpower. We just don't use it. And then we get mad at God and mad at the Bible, mad at the church and mad at somebody else because things aren't working out. And the whole time it's like, dude, you got the superpower. He said, why is it you're so fearful? They're like, look at the storm. He's like, no, you got a superpower, man. He said, remember? And then he goes, peace, be still. And the Bible says it went, whoop, just like that. And they were shocked and astonished that even, here's what you need to catch in this story too, even the winds and the sea obeyed him. Even, whatever it is that's giving you the worst trouble, even that thing will obey you if you say the right thing and you really believe it. Amen. Pastor, you don't know, but even that I'm telling you. Yeah, but you don't understand. Even though, even, you can change that thing. Can you shout amen? amen. Acts 27. I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic Bible. We're going to go down and start at verse 13. So when the south wind blew softly, now remember, Paul is a prisoner on a ship. And there's been warnings, but, you know, he's, he's a prisoner. He's do, he has to go because that's what they've decided to do. So when the south wind blew softly, supposing they were gaining their object, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, hugging the coast. But soon afterward, a violent wind of the character of a typhoon, this is Acts 27, 13, and 14 now, called a nor'easter, came bursting down from the island. Be being a weatherman, I love this story. It has so many meteorological things in it here. I know about nor'easters. You, know, you get a nor'easter, uh, usually in the late, late fall, winter, or early spring, you get a monster storm up that east coast, and it can, it can paralyze that whole area. So it's like a nor'easter here. And when the ship was caught and unable to head against the wind, we gave up. Now, he wasn't, remember, he's a prisoner on this ship. He's not guiding it. Uh, but he's talking about the people on there gave up and letting her drift were borne along. They were just being pulled along. We ran under the shelter of a small island called Cauda, where we managed with much difficulty to draw the ship's small boat on deck and secure it. So they had another smaller ship, of course, and they got it up on deck. After hoisting it on board, they used supports with ropes to undergird and brace the ship. Then afraid that they would be driven into the Sirtis, Quicksands off the north coast of Africa. They thought they might get in the quicksand. They lowered the gear, the sails and ropes, and, and so were driven along. Now, I want you to, I'm, I'm, the, reason, the reason I'm reading all this, I want you to get the, the wider scope of it. As we were being dangerously tossed about by the violence of the storm, the next day they began to throw the freight overboard. Man, they're out there now, and it, this, this ship is just getting tossed like a little, you know, you get, the, you get the vision of it, it's just like a little toy, you know. And the third day, they threw out with their own hands the ship's equipment, the tackle and the furniture. And when neither sun nor stars were visible for many days. Now, notice this is not like the storm we saw 
out there on the lake that came up in just a few minutes. They've been going through this for days. And let, let me tell you this now. You've got to understand some storms are not going to come and go quickly. That's why you've got to have some faith and you've got to be grounded and you've got to. You, you, and that's why I say you really need to make some decisions before you ever get into the storms. Amen. This is how I'm going to do this. Amen. For many days and no small tempest kept on raging. Notice it kept raging about us. All hope of our being saved was finally abandoned. Even the people at the beginning that said, you know, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll probably make it. Some of the seamen who'd probably been out there before and had witnessed other storms, thought, well, you know, this is a bad storm, but we'll probably make it. But now even those guys are going, we're, we're all going to die. <laughs> I mean, even the hardened seamen were giving up. Then as they had eaten nothing for a long time, Paul came forward into their midst and said, men, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me and should not have put to sea from Crete and brought on this disaster and harm and misery. Now, th there's, a big, there's a whole message right there. Because if you listen to God, there's some storms you'll never get in. A lot of storms, you won't even get in them if you just listen to God. Of course, they weren't walking with God. Paul was, and he tried to tell them they wouldn't listen. But I like this, verse 20. But even now, I beg you to be in good spirits and take heart. For Now, notice what he's saying this out of his mouth. Now, the most hardened seaman who had probably seen the most violent storms ever had already said, we're all going to die. Said they gave up hope. But notice what Paul says. Now, Paul was not a seaman by trade. He wasn't a seaman. He, you know, he, would, he had been taken by force on this boat. But, notice, but he says, now notice what he says in the middle of this ongoing, relentless, raging storm that is so violent that the seamen have given up. Here's what Paul says. But even now I beg you to be in good spirits and take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. Now, that's the kind of person I want on board with me. Amen. For this very night there stood by my side on an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve and worship. And he said, do not be frightened, Paul. It's necessary for you to stand before Caesar. Behold, God's given you all those that are sailing with you. Now, that's another thing, man. If you are, if you are in the middle of the will of God, God will preserve you through the storm. Because God's going to bring you out and get you. There's a bigger plan here. There's all kinds of little mini sermons here, and I don't have time to dig them all out. So keep, notice what he says. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith. Say faith. faith. I, notice what he says. I have faith, complete confidence, it says in the Amplified Classic, in God, that it will be exactly as it was told me. Now, how's it going to be? Exactly. How's it going to be? Exactly. So people are going to try to. If people can't talk you out of your faith, they'll try to make you compromise and settle for something that's low. Well, I tell you what, you might make it, but when you get done, you won't be worth anything to anybody. You'll be so beat up and messed up. Yeah, you have that surgery, but I tell you what, I know somebody had it, and they've never been good right since. You're going to ache the rest of your life. Well, you know what? If I have to go into surgery, if that is, I'm believing God for healing, but if I go that right, I'm telling you what, I'm going to have the best recovery of anybody. Amen. But we shall have to be stranded on some island. He's telling them, now I know what's going to happen next. The 14th, the 14th night, the 14th night had come. And we were drifting and being driven about in the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors began to suspect that they were drawing near to some land. They couldn't see, of course, it was nighttime. 
they thought, well, I think we're getting near land. So they took soundings and found 20 fathoms and a little further on they sounded again and found 15 fathoms. So we were signaling back to the land back and forth to see if they were close or not. Then fearing that we might fall off our course under rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and kept wishing for daybreak to come. And as the sailors were trying to escape secretly from the ship, <laughs> some of them were saying, just every man for himself. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm taking care of me. Uh, from the ship and were lowering the small boat into the sea, pretending they were going to lay out anchors from the bow. They were going to take this little ship and get the heck out of Dodge. Uh, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, there's a whole message right there. Unless you remain with God, unless you keep walking in faith, you cannot be saved. If you think you can run back out into that world after you serve God and that world's going to protect you and keep you, you are insane. Amen. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes that held the small boat and let it fall and drift away. And while they waited until it should become day, Paul entreated them all to take some food, saying, This is the 14th day that you've been continually in suspense and on the alert without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge, warn, exhort, encourage, and advise you to take some food for your safety. It will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any one of you. Man, I love this. I, this is the way you got to talk, man. I'm telling you what, I, even if the, if the planet blows up, I'll float up into the air and just drift around. Well, what if we have a nuclear blast and it just contaminates the whole world? Well, there, I, I guess I'm just going to just transcend into the, and just float into space where, where I'll be above it all, I guess. You hear what I'm saying? Having said these words, having done what? said some words. He took bread and given thanks to God. So he's thanking God out there. Thanking God out there in the midst of all this. Before them all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all became more cheerful and were encouraged and took food for themselves. They finally said, you know, we're going to trust this man. This is a man to trust him. Listen to this. All told, there were 276 souls of us in the ship. After they had eaten sufficiently, they proceeded to lighten the ship, throwing out the weed into the sea. Now when it was day and they saw the land, they did not recognize it, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they, taking counsel, purposed to run the ship ashore if they could. So they cut the cables and served the anchors and left them in the sea. And at the same time, unlashing the ropes that held the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind, they headed for the beach. But striking a cross current, a place open to the two seas, they ran the ship aground. The prow stuck fast and remained immovable, and the stern began to break up under the violent force of the waves. It was of the counsel of the soldiers to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim to land and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, prevented their carrying out their purpose. He commanded those who could swim to throw themselves overboard first and make for the shore, and the rest on heavy boards or pieces for the vessel. And so it was... That all escaped safely to the land. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. It is so important that we say the right thing. It is so important that we don't let the elements and the circumstances and, and, and the environment and the politics and our family and coronavirus and anything else. It's so important that we don't let it change what we say out of our mouth about our own destiny. Amen. It's critical. And I, and I, again, I've got some great, you know, I've got some family members and man, well, I always go, well, you know, 
uh, not here. And when I say it, of course, they think I'm cocky and arrogant, and, 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 and it's the last thing I am. I'm confident. Like Paul said, he was completely confident. That's what faith is. I'm completely confident. And now Paul knew, he knew a couple things. He knew the ship would be broken up. He said, but even when the ship gets splintered out there, they're going to think they can save the ship. They won't. The ship's going to get splintered up. But even then, nobody's going to lose their lives. So no matter how bad it looks, no matter how severe it may seem, no matter how, how dense or hard the storm or the hardship may be, you have to continue to declare, I'm telling you one thing, I'm going to make it. And if you sail with me and you'll listen to me, we're going to make it. That's what God wants out of us. That's how we should be talking. I know that it's contrary to the world. I know it's foreign to them. I know that you sound like a total buffoon when you declare something opposite from the trends in the world. But don't worry about it. If you're married, you don't ever say, well, my marriage is not going to make it. I guess it's going to fall. No, I tell you what, bless God, we're going to be together till Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, my kids, I got, you know, that one out there, he's a heathen. He's just running with hell. He's just going to be, one day they're going to find him out in the street. I would never say that about my kids. I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. And I don't know when you're going to do it. And I don't know, I don't know anything, but I know you're going to do it. That's all I know. And that's what I'm saying. My children will serve you all the days. Of, they're going to serve you. They're going to, I always go to Psalms 112. And, and, and then I go over to, uh, you know, Daniel 10, uh, 1132. And I put those two scriptures together that my seed will be mighty on the earth. And they'll do exploits in his name. That's what I say that's going to happen. My seed's going to be mighty on the earth. Talking about my children. Amen. I say it every day. I tell them when I see them, the two that aren't where I want them to be right now, I say, you know, you're prayed for every day. And I said, you, you, and you know, I'm, you're going to serve the Lord. Amen. And they'll kind of look at me like, my God, he's not going to quit. Exactly. <laughs> All souls on board will be saved. Amen. Amen. Not any loss of this at all. We're all going to make it to the shore. Can you shout amen? amen. So again... I'm beginning to close now. Uh, the, the authority, and, and so going back to the garden, God put this thing called uh, the superpower in words so that even when man had the loss of their regal, rightful authority on the planet, they still had the ability to be in charge by their words. Now, Jesus came back and gave us even the regal authority because he said, all power is given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go in Matthew 28, verse 19. So we've been given this dual authority. We've been given this authority of dunamis, this power, the Holy Spirit that has might and power. And we've been given this other authority that we can say it with words. And those words have power behind them as well. Amen. So going back to Amos chapter 5 and verse 14. It shall be with you and with you as you have spoken. You ought to do a serious inventory of your life. You ought, to, you ought to go down and write down the five most important parts of your life, your career, your health, your family, your marriage, whatever those five, and it doesn't have to be five, things are. And then you ought to put a list there. What, and you ought to be honest. First of all, when you make the first part of this list, you should be honest. What am I saying about these things in my life? What is mostly coming out of my mouth about these things? 
And if it's negative, and if it's, if it's like the world, you need to say, okay, starting tonight. Starting tonight, right now, tonight, which is January, somebody help me out in here. 28th, 2021, as of, of January the 28th, 2021, I am saying for the rest of my life that my marriage will be this way. My family and children will be this way. My finances will be this way. My health will be this way. My walk with God will be this way. And what if my dreams will be this way? And I'm never, and then you tell yourself, now self, from now on, you're not allowed to say anything contrary to that. As long as you have breath in this body, you go with that. No matter what it looks like, no matter how the storm rages, and no matter what everybody else is doing, don't get sucked in. Don't get pulled into it. Don't, don't, don't be a part of it. You keep saying what you got right here. And you watch and see. It may not happen overnight, but it will happen. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.